Whether you're learning the basics or you want to be a rock master, we have a class for you from high level overviews to specific features. Find the training class that fits your needs this year at community.rockrms.com slash classes. Welcome to this special edition of Rockcast, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes with Rock RMS and with our friends in the technical world uh, as we work together with churches. I'm Emily Foreman. Of course, I have here with me John Edmiston and our special guest today, Christopher Lim, the founder of Theotech, a consulting company that practices technology entrepreneurship for the gospel. And Theotech produces Ceaseless, an open source app that helps people pray for everyone on earth as well as Fifio, a platform that empowers people to create accessible multilingual experiences through real-time captions and translations. Uh, Chris also co-organizes the Seattle Code for the Kingdom Hackathon. Welcome, Chris. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. We're very interested in the work that you're doing for the kingdom and, and just are excited to talk with you. So, Tell us a little bit about your experience that's brought you to this place where technology and kingdom work intersect. Sure. I uh, got my start in the tech industry, actually, uh, fresh out of college. I went to the University of Washington and I started working for Amazon back in the day when it was still focused only on retail, on online retail. Um, So at the time, it wasn't the coolest company on the block, but uh, it was something that I felt like uh, the Lord actually led me to. And during my time there, I uh, was able to convene a little group of uh, believers where we studied the theology of technology. And the reason why that was so important is because at Amazon, we were not just consumers of technology, we were also its creators. And so being able to see what would it mean to actually, in our work itself, uh, infuse it with the values of the kingdom or be a witness for that in our company context. Um, and so that was a really important um, time for me because uh, one of the things that we did was compare the Amazon leadership principles with scripture, just to see if uh, you know they aligned or where they don't align. And uh, the remarkable thing was that in many ways, I found that God actually implicitly is using companies like Amazon to make disciples, implicitly, because it's not a Christian company, but those principles in many ways line up with scripture. Uh, and one of those principles, the most important one at Amazon was customer obsession. Uh, leaders begin with a customer and work backwards. They pay attention to competition that that they obsess over customers. So uh, one of the questions in that Bible study that I prepared for that question was, you know, hey, if we're not obsessing over our customers, who are we obsessing over? And for me, the answer is like myself. Of course, it's myself, my needs, my worries, my goals. Uh, And so obsessing over your customers is actually a way to fulfill the great commandment, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, And so that was, you know, a great insight. But even further than that, um, I asked the question, what if God is our customer? What if we obsess over what God desires and then work backwards uh, to invent technology that delivers the things that God wants? And what if we apply, what if we could apply the rigor that we applied to the customer question at Amazon to God? Uh, and that was great fruit for, for like, you know, great, uh, it was good for discussion. But for me, several months later, maybe it was like five months later or something, I felt like I had the divine tap on the shoulder figuratively speaking, and it seemed like God was calling me to leave my job at Amazon and devote my attention to that purpose of making God my customer and trust in him to provide. And so after a season of 
uh, asking for counsel from others and discernment, I ended up telling my manager, yep, I'm going to leave. And and I, my whole team knew I'm going to do this weird, crazy thing. Uh, most of them weren't Christians, uh, but they knew that I was going to try to do this thing, this technology and God and the Bible and stuff. And so uh, that's how I ended up on this journey that I'm now on. Um, and uh, to, to see, can we actually do that? Can we, can Theotech and the products that we build um, express that value and that principle saying, what if God's our customer and we obsess over what God wants and then deliver that outcome? So I think you already explained two of the products that we have. One of them was Ceaseless, the open source prayer app. That was our example of doing it uh, where, you know, if you begin with human-centered design, which is a big field in the technology industry today, uh, you might say, okay, what are the what are the tasks and jobs people are trying to do when they're trying to pray? What are the contexts where they're trying to pray? And what makes it hard to do that? But the challenge with that approach is that you probably end up creating a, a glorified, a spiritualized to-do list um, where people are trying to manage the to-do list and group them by people and stuff like that. And that's okay if that's what you want to build. But for us, beginning with God as a customer meant uh, beginning with scripture where God expresses what God desires. And uh, there's one text in particular, 1 Timothy 2, uh, where Paul teaches us to pray for all people, that intercessions, thanksgivings, uh, petitions be made for all people, especially those in power because God desires all people to be saved. I'm obviously paraphrasing, um, but there, there we have it. There we have it. There we have what God as my customer desires. God desires all people to be saved. And, and the mechanism through which God and through the apostle is telling us to, to, to kind of labor on that desire that God has is through prayer for all people, especially those in power. And so if that is what God, my customer desires, then the way that I worked backwards to build the app uh, was um, to say, okay, my natural inclination is to be in my own little world. And that means to pray for the people I care about. If it's in a church context, people in my church, if it's my family, my family, maybe my job, my needs. But there are so many other relationships in my life that I never pray about, majority of which have no connection to Jesus like directly or anything like that. And I would never think to pray for them because they would never even ask me to pray for them. So can technology help me to do that? Because that's what my customer desires. And uh, that's exactly what technology is good for. It can't do the praying for you, but it can help us as humans remember these other things that would otherwise be out of sight, out of mind. So for Ceaseless, the first iteration was basically to integrate with Facebook and to show three of your Facebook friends to pray every day. And after about uh, like four months of doing an initial run with just like 70 friends of mine who signed up to do that, I checked the numbers and we had prayed for more than 20,000 unique people. Assuming we'd actually pray, but wow. that was so, such great scale, right? A group of yes. 70 praying for 20,000. That that just shows you that actually if you had a church of only 70 people and you were doing something like this, you were praying for like the 20,000 people in your county or who, you know, who, who knows what. Um, so, and that was just with that pilot. And then of course, Facebook has its privacy issues and the way that they control their data and everything. So then we switched for our second iteration to using the contacts, uh, the address book on your phone. And uh, we don't store any of that data. We never send it to our cloud. It's all local on your phone. Uh, Ceaseless lets you add notes and stuff, and then also shows you some scripture. So the flow is like, see some scripture, see three people to pray for. You can add notes if you want, and then you're done. Really simple, really lightweight. But what happens is that through that habit over time, you end up praying for all the, all the contacts in your address book. And that means that you're expanding the breadth of your prayer. And together as a Christian community, um, we can be praying for everyone on earth. So using that factor of the 70 to 20,000 or something, I forgot, we I had, I had a mathematician actually do some modeling, a friend of mine. Um, and it seemed as if with only 1% of the world's Christian population, we could be praying personally for everyone on earth. 
Um, and so not just general, like praying for countries, but for individuals, right? That we have, that Christians have a relationship. And of course, if you guys, anyone in missions knows about the 1040 window, there's a lot of people who have no relationship to any Christian. And so if anything, that just shows us the frontier uh, in which we need to have those relationships so that we can pray personally for people. So um, yeah, that was kind of CSIS as an example of like, that's what happens. That's the innovation you get when you start with God as a customer, rather than starting with humans and just try and solve a spiritualized human task. Um, and then the second example, Spiffio, which we might go into some more later, uh, was simply saying, hey, you know, in scripture, Revelation 7, really, really famous text, it's people from every language that are worshiping God together, uh, every nation, every language. We look at the majority of our churches, at least in America today, and they are segregated by language, by culture. And so there's a gap there in what my customer's vision is, God's vision is, and what we see on, on the ground. So can we build technology that helps to bridge that gap by making every church accessible in any language, which is the technology piece? But there's, of course, also the spiritual piece and the, and the relationship piece of how can our churches reflect or, or bear witness to what God says is going to happen? Uh, and, uh, and that's through becoming these you know, united, diverse, multilingual, multinational communities that are witnesses that Jesus is Lord. So that's what we're trying to do with Spiffio, uh, specifically for churches, is to help them to become inclusive of every language um, and as a reflection of the kingdom as uh, fulfilling what our customer desires. So those are some examples. Yeah. Wow, that is a my brain is just like <laughs> spinning right now. Like you just like put some truth bombs out there. So I love the fact that it all started with a vision of that came from Amazon. And I think it's really cool how God puts us in these like places to learn. So you learn that concept from Amazon about like just caring in, like emphatically about the customer. You put the customer as God and now you see everything through that lens, which is giving you vision into these other projects. And, you know, that's that's amazing. I would I would just say everybody what listening to this podcast should, should just take some time on the counter to reflect on like, hey, if God's my primary customer in my church or in my role, how does that change what I work on? Because I think, wow, that's a huge unlock there for some vision casting. Um, that's that's great. And then and then also too, I'd say, hey, ceaseless. I think all of us need to go out and look at that. Ceaselessprayer.com is the website I think to get more information. Yeah, ceaselessprayer.com, and it's just in the app store. And there's a GitHub repo if anyone wants to make a pull request. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So that, I mean, just the way you even put the lens again into that project is is really inspiring um and and i was like you said i was listening to a podcast recently too that just said hey really the seven degrees of kevin bacon really now in our culture is really like three degrees for the whole world wow so it which that's lines crazy. up exactly what you just said um that's really cool so tell us more about spiffy like you, you said you, it's it's you know bringing the you know taking away the language barrier how, how do you do that in, in spiffy yeah, so um, some of the backstory behind Spiffio was uh, I was actually doing a business plan course in like in college, master's degree thing or something. It was one of those like uh, courses where you get to actually pitch and then do a business plan competition and everything like that. And uh, I already had a, a heart for language. I didn't share this in, earlier in the podcast, but like basically I I used to be like a, as a kid, more of a gamer type, right? I wanted technology because I wanted to make games because it's fun. And then um, later, when it was time to get summer internships and stuff like that, I was kind of lazy and I had not applied to any companies for a tech internship. And so my mother was just like, hey, what are you going to do this summer? And like, I don't know. 
Uh, and that summer, some Wycliffe missionaries came and spoke in my church, and they basically shared about the need for Bible translation, which I'd never really heard of or paid attention to before. And about a week or two later, I got an email from a professor somewhere in my school that was looking for an undergrad researcher to do machine translation. So I kind of put two and two together, prayed about it, shared about my, my desire to help with Bible translation and stuff. And that's how I got my start in this kind of world blending, I guess, technology with scripture and things like that. But what happened um, <clears throat> basically with, uh, sorry, I think that that little story got me off track. We were talking about how Spiffio actually makes a difference. Yes. So basically the, the first time that we built Spiffio, the first iteration, uh, it was so simple. It was basically that I had a manuscript of a pastor's sermon. I had a translation, and then I would basically release the lines like a PowerPoint slide as the pastor's preaching. And so you'd see the translation up on the slide. It's like a subtitle, or you could see it on people's phones, basically. Um, and so people could just come to church, scan a QR code or type in URL that's specific to the church, and then pick their language in a language picker, and then start getting translation in real time during the sermon. Now, the reason why I brought that story, that other story up was that that was my demo for our pitch was basically I uh, I put a little like mock-up of the smartphone up on the screen and then had it faked out smoke and mirrors where I spoke in Indonesian. I made my pitch for like 20 seconds in Indonesian to my audience. I can speak Bahasa Indonesia um, and then had the English show up on the screen. So, you know, the crowd went wild, whatever like that, but it's just a demo. It's not a real product at that point. Um, but what happened later when I started Spiffy was I realized like actually, although that seemed like it was smoke and mirrors, that that original technique worked. It actually worked. People understood exactly what I was saying, exactly as I was saying it, um, and I delivered it live. So that was the first iteration of Spiffio. It was basically if any any pastor who prepares a, a manuscript, there's no reason why they shouldn't be making it accessible in other languages because the quality is so good. Uh, you've already put in the effort, and you're just multiplying uh, the you know the impact of your work because you're making it available in so many other languages to people during your actual worship service in real time, uh, or later if you wanted to you know post it online on a video or something else you just increase the reach uh, and also the witness of your church by doing that. So that was the first iteration of our product. Obviously, we know that um, there's a need for real time. There's a need for live. There's a need for other kinds of communication. So then we started integrating uh, automatic speech recognition and uh, a lot of time in the trenches with that technology to make it uh, as workable as possible. We built this ability because, you know, it's not perfect. Uh, we built a couple capabilities to one, customize corrections so that uh, these general purpose speech recognition models end up working more and more for your language and way of speaking. Uh, we built the ability for a volunteer or a professional to be editing the captions that are produced before they are released for translation so that you get higher quality translation and higher quality captions. And then in the pandemic, we built a bunch of integrations like with YouTube, um, StreamYard, uh, Zoom, so because everyone's going virtual and digital for their churches. Uh, so that you can, in Zoom, you can show like a, a caption or a subtitle in one other language inside the Zoom closed captioning, or you can just have it side by side with Spiffio's audience view, where people can pick many languages and get it. Um, and so that's kind of, these are some just examples. It's a bit scattershot, but uh, it's just to show the breadth. We really want Spiffio to be an all-in-one platform for translation and accessibility. And for churches in, in particular, our vision is to help every church to be accessible in any language. Um, and we do that through a combination of using your scripts, your slides, as well as speech recognition, as well as automatic translation. Um, there's a whole workflow that you can do inside Spiffio so that you can have a team of volunteers. We call it community source translation rather than crowdsource translation. Crowdsourcing implies kind of strangers. Community sourcing to us means that these are people who care about your cause. They're a part of your community. You care about them. 
and they may have these skills. And so Spiffio becomes a portal that lets you uh, kind of like oversee their labor so that together they can be uh, producing a high quality translation every week. So one example of is a church out in uh, Virginia uh, that basically is translating their message into nine languages every every Sunday. And for that specific church, the re the way that they've used Spiffio is to have the pastor, the pastor actually prepares his manuscript and um, and then has uh, so uploads it to Spiffio. It gets automatically translated to those nine languages. And then they actually have people in their congregation who speak those languages who will review that and make any corrections to it. And then on Sunday, the pastor is able to preach from his iPad, basically, and, and release the lines as he's preaching. And as he's doing so, anyone in person is getting the translation that they need on their phone simultaneously. And anyone online is also able to watch simultaneously with the YouTube stream. But what they do is that that work that he put into it, because he's releasing it as he's preaching, creates a time subtitle file, an SRT file. And so uh, right after the after that service, as they are uploading their video to YouTube, um, they're able to download the SRT for all those languages and then upload and then upload it to the YouTube video. So their YouTube videos now are, are, are also accessible in like nine languages. And what that's done is that um, now people uh, maybe in Pakistan or other places who speak those languages searching on YouTube are finding those messages and getting the subtitles of it and able to actually belong to kind of that church virtually as a result of that work. And what I've heard from this pastor in particular was that he's finding that in some of these places around the world, um, people are so like there's such a there's not very much Christian content in their language. And so to have that and to have it fresh every week and stuff like that is very, uh, very meaningful for Christians in these places. Um, so that's just one example story. There are others like uh, my own church here in Seattle. The way that we use it is uh, the pastors do manuscripts sometimes, but often go off script. And so we actually have to have a human in the loop who's uh, choosing whether to go off manuscript or to use the speech recognition and releasing the lines from the speech recognition because there's segments that are obviously not scripted. Um, and so Spiffio is very flexible and able to adapt like that. But I guess the key takeaway, I told a lot of maybe detailed, more details than is needed to know near Odyssey's know right now, is that we've designed Spiffio to be so flexible so that there's a way that it can actually support the way that your church is trying to do things. And there's some adaptation that goes both ways, but um, the vision is there. And I think that uh, any church that has the heart to be a witness to the kingdom by being inclusive of many languages, we can serve you. That's that's amazing technology. So I know the question on everybody's mind is, how do I find out more? Like, where would you go to, to get more information about Spiffio? Um, our website is spf.io, spf.io. Um, and just for fun, a little story behind it. It originally, I'm a nerd, I'm a you know an engineer. So I did that, I called it SPF because of synchronous presentation framework. That's what I was originally gonna call it. But um, my sister who became my co-founder of Theotech, she, she saw it, it's like, what is that? It's a, it's a spiffio. It's like, oh, that's a much better way to say it, spiffio. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, then, and then we kind of uh, retroactively called it spiffio in the sense that, you know, no, when you look at it, you don't know how to pronounce it. But the moment you hear it, you make sense. You're like, oh, okay, spiffio. Yeah, I get it. Um, and that kind of aha moment that you get once you are in the know is kind of the aha moment you get with learning a language or like, you know, like hearing another person talk. You're like, oh, okay, now I see what they're saying. So that's a little fun backstory. But yeah, the URL to get more information is spf.io. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of content on there. There's a YouTube channel for Spiffio that we started. We have a lot of old content on the Theotech channel, actually, that we're migrating over to Spiffio's YouTube channel. Um, and sometimes I've done some episodes on the Theotech podcast, which I know we're going to have invite you on as well. So, uh, but the main place is spf.io. Yeah. And as if you weren't busy enough working on the prayer app and Spiffio, you, you, the way I've 
you know, came to know you was, was through your podcast, the uh, Theotech podcast, which I have to say is a, a great podcast. Um, I've just learned and been inspired so much by the guests that you have. And I think you do an amazing job hosting it. You really draw out content well from, from the people who are, you know, joining you on those, on those uh, podcasts. Tell us a little bit about that, how that gets started. What, what kind of topics do you usually talk about on, on that podcast? Oh, yeah. Well, thank you, John. You're very gracious in saying those things. I, I've appreciated sharing on your podcast. I think you've drawn me out pretty well today. Um, the Theotech podcast began as me and a roommate having late night conversations that we thought were interesting and wanting to record it instead of just letting it go. So at one time I had a roommate, uh, my friend Alan, who in some episodes he's in it, and uh, we would just talk late into the night. And so he decided he's more of a creative type. So he likes to make video, uh, photography and audio. So he's like, you know what, let's record this and make and try to make this to a podcast. So we started to do that with a few episodes um, and we just had fun doing it and eventually uh, discovered that, hey, you know, this could be a great way to continue to cast vision for what Theotech was uh, felt, what I felt personally called to do in leaving Amazon, cast vision to say, what is God doing in technology and how can we join God in doing that? Um, uh, and that's, you know, one iteration of what I've said in the past, technology, entrepreneurship, the gospel, things like that. But uh, what, as I got involved in other other movements like Code for the Kingdom, which is a hackathon that we haven't talked about yet, and and things like that, uh, I got I got to kind of have a front row seat to to realizing like, you know what, there there's something bigger. This is not just us as Christians applying technology to purposes that we think are biblical or something. It's actually the conviction reading from Ephesians chapter one, even that God is uniting heaven and earth in Jesus Christ with the church. The Holy Spirit is the primary agent working all these things. And that includes in the realm of technology. Although there is brokenness and fallenness in our world and corruption of its purposes and everything else, God fundamentally is actually moving through technology to fulfill what scripture says. Uh, and so what I wanted to do with the Theotech podcast was to be a place to kind of just try to be a witness to some of those stories. So by interviewing uh, different guests in different parts or talking about these technology topics, um, I'm just trying to get a, a view and to share a view, I guess, of like, hey, maybe like, you know, is this what God's doing with this technology or with it? Is, this is what God is working through this person in the technology industry uh, or in this particular way. So that's kind of, uh, you know, we call it the, the we call it the theology of technology podcast. But I began to realize like, is that we're not I'm not constantly teaching theological content or like theological ways of thinking about technology, although that happens sometimes, it really is more of a witness, just trying to bear witness, like, hey, this is what we see God doing. Like, here's another story of what God is doing through technology and through people in the technology industry. Yeah, I think what's cool about it is that you, as a listener, you get a lot of good content, um, you know, for your brain, but then you do a good job linking that to scripture and to like, what can God do for it? So it's also, uh, I feel like it fills your heart too. So it's a good blend of mm. heart. And, and, and kind of in brain type things all in one. And I think that's what I've kind of been encouraged about is like sometimes the way you link it to theology is like, yeah, you know, I believe in that concept. But I never really saw it from a biblical perspective that way. And it, it kind of that's cool. refreshes your spirit a bit to know that, hey, yeah, I know this is the right thing to do because it's helping people. But now it's linked to scripture in this way. So it feels even, you know, more God ordained. Mm hmm. Wow, that's a, a very encouraging feedback on my podcast. Thanks, John. <laughs> yeah, you know, related to that too is um, I was 
talking to Greg Weems, uh, uh, he's a guy we work with. He does a lot of ass assessments. He has a PhD in this stuff. And he, we're talking about digital strategy. And he was saying, you know, digital strategy is nothing new. Like Paul was doing it. He would preach live and then he'd write a letter, which was the digital strategy. You know, unfortunately, it was on mm -hmm. scrolls, but, you know, so it's nothing new. And it's like, oh, well, that's a really good point, you know. Um, mm hmm. And then his little scroll would travel across the internet, which was the Roman road system. So it's like, okay, yeah, this is nothing new exactly. It's just a lot faster and, and scales better, you know? Yeah, a difference of degree, not kind. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So, and I think you, you do a good job bringing on a, a diverse set of guests. So you're always hearing something new. Um, and uh, so again, definitely highly recommend that all the people listening to this podcast also listen to that one if you're interested in in, in digital content about you know churches and theology. It's it's a great podcast. So how how what do you do for fun? Like you you seem to work really hard. Well, I recently got married, and that really changed uh, how I I. You can kind of just uh, burn yourself out, but once you're married, it's like no, you're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And so it was, uh, I think that, um, I don't know if you guys are, have ever heard of like attachment theory, like psychological attachment theory or anything like that. It's about relationships and stuff. There's a, there's some two Christian counselors, I think called Kay and Milan Yurkovich. They wrote a book called How We Love and they go into this different things, attachment theory and how it is that different attachment styles that we get since we were younger really affect uh, our relationships, both just generally and romantically and other things like that. And um, and so my wife and I read that book before we were married and stuff. And I, I began to discover I have a little bit of a pleaser attachment style, maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot, which means that it's very much focused on pleasing other people. Um, oftentimes, uh, that's my default. That's my instinct, because I think that that's a good thing. It's the right thing. But me personally, I um, I forget. I don't even know what I want. I'm not I'm kind of out of touch with what I want. I, I know what obligations I need to do. And so. That question prior to being married, I think, of what do you do for fun, scared me. Whenever I would be in a networking event, people would ask me, like, I have no idea what I would say because I, I don't think I'm that fun. And it actually wasn't that I'm not fun. It's actually more that I don't know what I really do for enjoyment as an end in itself, not as a towards a greater cause, a purpose, a calling, not, you know, but enjoying life's good gifts um, as an end in itself. So, um, you know, in light of that, I'm I'm still developing a, an answer. I think that's authentic for what I really do for fun. But I know that there are some things that I do do enjoy, um, and being with my wife has helped me to do that. So one example recently, this is going to sound silly, but uh, we were raking the leaves together in my yard, and because it was with my wife, it was a date, and it wasn't a <laughs> chore, and uh, it was fun. <laughs> like it was actually fun to take care of that responsibility. Uh, another night. Uh, I planned a date with my wife and it was basically, we were sitting in front of, I set up a fireplace and we were just reading a book together. And uh, obviously there's no other purpose there than just to enjoy that time. And that was also very enjoyable. Uh, so that was another example of fun. During the pandemic, one thing that really kept my sanity when it was all locked down was uh, this open source real-time strategy game called Zero AD. It's free online. And uh, I would play Zero AD with my bros like probably like twice a week or something like that because we were all, isolated and so that was actually fantastic zero ad plus discord so we could talk to each other while we were playing was a really fun kind of relief in the midst of the lockdowns where you can't do anything else and to stay connected and just do this fun strategy game together that you can win so um that was another really fun thing that i did 
And I think that now, even as lockdowns lift and things like that, um, being married has given me a new perspective on like probably not taking on so many obligations. Uh, although that's like my my it's my instinct still, you know, that it's still there. But um, seeing what kind of getting in touch authentically with what I desire, and then in light of that, what is God calling me to do, um, and then being more probably selective about what I engage in, so that there's space for more of the things that I find to be fun. Up here in Seattle, we live in a beautiful in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and so um, you know, wintertime we get snow in the mountains, and the mountains are only an hour away. So like being able to have the space in my life and schedule and stuff to go there to enjoy that, uh, I think would be really wonderful for this this coming winter season. That's great. Well, I can I can relate to some of your <laughs> concerns about having. What do you how do you authentically say what you do for fun? I, I have that as a challenge too, and I I feel like I'm more of a pleaser um, personality too. So I definitely wrote down that attachment theory. I'm gonna have to go look that up. <laughs> But I will say, John, I, if I were to make a confession, I do actually have fun with my work. And that's probably one of the reasons why it's so hard to separate it, right? There's ways that work is actually really fun. Uh, and in those times, I could just keep going. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I totally agree, too. And I always say, you know, if, if I won the lottery, I'd probably do the same thing. I might buy a more expensive chair, but, I, you know, I'd, I enjoy what I do. So why is that a bad thing? That's really good. Contentment with godliness. Great gain. Yeah, well, it's, you know, God puts stuff on your heart, and it's just great to to be able, like you, to be able to work on things that your work is uh, uh, an extension of, of extending the kingdom. You know, we're not necessarily manufacturing sugar water or selling sugar water, as Steve Jobs would say. That we're actually mm-hmm. we're actually helping to bring more living water to to mm. to people. So. And the concept of work as worship, I think if you're really aligning your skills and uh, and you can see that you have great purpose in your work, um, it, it is a form of worship. And that is very fulfilling, which I think is also interpreted by, by us individually as fun or as enjoyment. When we get into mm-hmm. that, we have those things lined up. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that what's what's interesting for me is that at least in my journey, right, that connecting of faith and work or work work as worship was something that uh, it wasn't automatic, you know, uh, it's it's not enough. It wasn't because a church told me like, oh, your work is worship or whatever like that. You know, God made work. It's good. It wasn't through teaching so much um, for me personally, as it was actually, unfortunately, maybe or fortunately, the stepping out in faith. Uh, like I was already integrating my faith at work through start, you know, doing the Bible study at Amazon. And that was already good. But I have to admit, that's very different than leaving the mothership and being well provided for that way and everything like that and, and stepping out in faith to do the theotech thing. Um, because I think, I don't know if this is the right language to use for it, but uh, it's sort of, it was sort of like, there was actually a sacrifice and that made everything significant and infused meaning in everything in a way that uh, was was different than when it was still just kind of a little bit more theoretical for me. Um, so I don't know what to make of that, but I just share it because I, I, I noticed the difference for me. I always had the impulse. I always had that desire to connect my faith and work deeply like that. But it was actually the step of faith that probably drew it out in a way that it wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, I can really relate to that, too, in my life when I stepped out of the corporate world into, you know, the church space. Um, 
it feels like such a risk. I, I kind of almost see it though. It's like we're taking our first steps as a kid and, and the dad, God is saying, just take this step. And it's not a big step, right? It's just like, I got you. I'm going to catch you. Uh-huh. But to the kid, to the baby, you're like, I'm going to die, you know? And it, we, looking back, it's yes. like, dude, it was the best thing ever happened. And it wasn't that scary of a step, really. But taking the step is yes. insanely hard. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, God provides. I mean, the fact that you're still doing what you're doing, I'm still doing what I'm doing, is just kind of a, a witness and a miracle, too. Like, somehow the Lord provides, even in this space that's not as driven by the forces of the market. Um, and so it's still affected by it, but it's not driven by it. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And even though the finances, like, especially in the beginning, were like terrible, I was never more blessed. Like I, ne- my, I was never happier. I still had everything I needed. I, and and yes. I, my, wants, my wants magically kind of went away. I was, honestly, I didn't really want anything. It's not because I had everything, it's just because I didn't want anything, you know? It's, that's so cool. <laughs> and, and that's what I want to talk about with you on, on, on my podcast, too, is hearing your journey and how God, you know, worked in your life that way. Because I think you have a really, really fascinating story as well. Yeah, I feel richly blessed, you know, by, you know, just following his path. I feel like, you know, you can have an amazing journey. So, but, you know, you've you've done a lot. Um, it's amazing. So just to kind of resummarize so people can, can write down their notes definitely got to check out ceaselessprayer.com check out that app and and um you know try it out um re- helps us to refocus like to god as the, con- the the ultimate customer and you know fulfilling what he wants and then also spiffio definitely you know how how can that relate to some of the stuff that people in rock churches or you know how could they apply that and then the theotech podcast uh to get your continuing education on some of these topics um <laughs> love to have you to come back again I, I think we could do a whole session on just like your um coding for the kingdom because that's obviously being an open source project that's something that our our um, audience is really you know interested in um but really appreciate you coming on and sharing you know what your journey has been and and the and the activities that you've been investing in so uh, thank you yeah, thank you, John. Thank you, Emily. It was a pleasure to be able to share uh, with your audience. So I really appreciate it. And I also I feel refreshed and encouraged just connecting with you guys and, uh, you know, having like minded believers in this space is really great. Yeah, well, we'll have you back. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. This episode of RockCast is brought to you by Rock sponsor, Ministry Dynamics, a Wi-Fi presence and equipment provider. Connect with Ministry Dynamics today at rockrms.com slash sponsors.